Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Gregor's Ministries podcast. So excited for today. Not only do we have Brad Spangler back with us, who's a frequent contributor on the podcast, but we also have Pastor Walker and Haley Schurz. And Pastor Walker and Haley, we are so excited for you guys to be on with us today. We're happy to be here. Yeah, good to be with you too, and look forward to a great chat. Yeah, it's, it's good to be on. I, I've been looking forward to this conversation now for a while since Josh, Josh mentioned you guys would be on. Yeah, and Brad and I, we were both able to come visit and be with you guys for a couple of weeks in Zambia. It was in, Brad, I think it was seven years ago, 2014, yeah, and time just seems to be going so much faster than I remember as I'm getting older. And, uh, you know, we had a great time while we were there. We, we saw so many amazing things that you guys are doing. And I uh, wanted to talk to you, Pastor Walker and Haley, a little bit about, you know, what led you to Zambia in the first place? If you could give us some, some backstory to that. Well, we were in South Africa for 10 years as missionaries, mm -hmm. and we were with a Ramagrad, Ed Elliott and his wife, Lori. And so we were serving that ministry for seven years, lived in Zambia, uh, sorry, in South Africa for another three years doing pastor's conferences in Zambia. And then an opportunity came to pastor Miracle Life Family Church. Good friends of ours, Dave and Cheryl Newberry had started and it was a thriving church, had grown to seven, 800 people. And that was in 2004. Yeah, a year before that year or to 18 months before that, we actually had been having pastoring in our heart. So God had already started stirring that in us. And when David called us, we we're like, okay, well, we'll talk to God about that and see if that's the place where he wants us to start pastoring. Mm -hmm. A little bit scary at first because the church was 600, 650 people. We'd never pastored before, right. uh, much less in a developing nation. So, yeah, um, but that's what we did. And we obeyed God and went up there and um, it's, it's been a, quite the, the adventure and, and a journey since then. Yeah, last 17 years. And then about six years into that, we also then started Rama Zambia with a great team of people. And that's been going on now for the last 11 years. Yeah. And you guys are doing a tremendous work there. The church building alone was so impressive while we were there just to see, you know, what you guys had established, but also to see that the quality of the teaching there at Rama, not only were you guys both teaching, but you had developed the nationals there in Zambia to be teachers. And I wanted you to kind of give us some insight on how you developed those people, maybe spent time with them to, to make sure that they were ready and equipped to go and and how you set that up um yeah so josh i think yeah we spent a lot of time really working on standards and having high expectations with them um that we're not going to compromise and and undermine who god is um but we really needed them to rise up and so spent many many hours um teaching training coaching them mentoring them and um, it's, yeah, it's been amazing to see the growth that's happened in the different teachers and even our staff mm -hmm. at the church, just the growth that's happened within them um, through many, many years of intentional um, <laughs> raising them up. Yeah, yeah. we have, and, and Raymond does this around the world in a uh, great way as far as raising up teachers. And, and so we've been helped by a lot of, of other directors in, in the Rama family. 
But one of the things we, we see is that obviously the, a teacher needs to understand the material that they're presenting and they've got a, you know, a deep biblical understanding, but then secondly, they need to be living it out in a, in a large way so that there's a consistency. You know, Paul said this, he said, the things you saw in me and heard me say, these things do. So there was a consistency of lifestyle and teaching. We saw that when we were at Rama and we graduated. And so we've endeavored to select and train. There's a kind of a mentoring process where they'll shadow us or shadow other teachers. And we are thrilled to see folks replace us and, and do a great job doing it. Uh, Josh, if if I can jump in for a second. Uh, One of the first tasks that uh, you guys actually gave me when we were on the mentorship uh, or the internship um, was Pastor Haley. I think I had to hang up a set of curtains in your office. (laughs) And that's really, I think the reason why you gave me that is because at that point, I wasn't the most self-aware. I didn't really know what my skills were. I think Josh, he was good with the camera. He could help you with uh, digital things. But for me, it's like, what are we going to do with this guy? Oh, you can hang some, <laughs> hang some curtains. But <laughs> the one thing that I noticed uh, was during that process, I, I, I just remember that, again, when talking about raising people up, I noticed that you had good systems in place. that would empower people to do actually do the work. And so I remember hanging the curtains and needing some certain tools. And before going on that internship, my thought leadership, you know, my thought with uh, leadership is, Hey, if you're a leader, you're a go-getter, you're just going to get the the job done, no matter what it takes, even if, if you have to go do it yourself. But what I saw there was, not that, that you guys aren't go-getters, but you put systems in place that could actually empower other people to grow and develop. And so instead of you actually going and getting the tools or going to the hardware store, um, even though it might have taken more time to get some of the tools I needed to hang the curtains, we waited on the process to, to happen. So I guess my question is, how did you guys learn that during your your, your process of running the church and running the Bible schools to uh, step back and say, hey, we need some systems in place to be able to do the, the overall vision. We can't be doing the day-to-day uh, ta- tasks, if that question makes sense. Josh, I'd probably say for me, that was that really actually came from my corporate job that I had before going on the mission field. And um when I started working at St. John's hospital in Tulsa, they had literally just opened up a brand new fitness, wellness, cardio pulmonary rehab center. And I was there on day one. And uh, because I had been an intern in their smaller facility. And from the get go, we had to start writing standard operating procedures. And I was tasked to get all those done uh, through the other staff members that we were hiring. So I I really think I learned the value of that in the corporate world, but I also think that you can see all that in the Bible um, as well. Even if you just go back to um, Exodus with Jethro and Moses and getting a structure in place, Mm -hmm. you know, or if we want to talk about Pastor Hagen, the natural and the supernatural coming together, making, making explosive force. So we need natural things in order to help us to achieve higher yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the longer we're in Zambia, 
the more we will in a meet in a team meeting or in an email ask staff or leaders or or key volunteers we call them life team members we we keep asking this question what do you think mm. what would it what do you guys have been talking about and so it's not a matter of us just providing solutions but it's 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 empowering people not just to do but to think and one thing that i I really believe every missionary must have or or they're going to be very their 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 influence is going to be very short-lived beyond their lifetime is they have to believe redemptively in the people that they're called along to serve and so we believe in Zambian people. We believe in Jesus in them and that they figure stuff out. And, and, and that's the, that's the case now. And so, uh, Josh, you had mentioned the, about our buildings and we just built more buildings, double more than double the size, but our project manager was Zambian and the, the, the fundraising team was led by our next gen staff and like they they are the ones that presented everything to the church we didn't because right. it's a next gen building we got the next gen to get highly highly involved right. in selling it and raising the finances for it and, right yeah and so it's done and we've got just a small the the total project we've got about five percent left of a loan 100 yeah. of the money was raised in zambia wow and yeah. we 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 actually turned down a gift of uh close to a million dollars from uh, Texas that we said, sorry, we can't take your money because it's the Zambian's job to do that. Right. So you, you have to believe, and, and that's what Jesus did when he was on the earth and his disciples were, were raw. They were fishermen. They, they were not experienced seminary graduates and he trained and he asked questions and he empowered them and they talked and they figured stuff out. And then when he left, he empowered them with the Holy spirit to do it. And, and here we are 2000 years later, because Jesus believed in the people that were around him to get the commission done. I think it's a little bit like raising our children, that we raise them up so that they can become independent and do things on their own. And that's really what's happened at the church. We're doing a, we're we're doing far less um, and our, our staff is doing far more mm-hmm. and, and it's, they are empowered and they're taking it into their homes and in, into their families and taking it into higher places. But mm-hmm. we have to, we had to build a sustainable church that could survive without us. Right. And we're really, we're, we're really there. Mm-hmm. Now. We're there. Yeah. And, and here's an example. Yesterday we got a text and there, and there was a problem. And, and so there was an issue in, in, school alumni that needed to be dealt with. And, and so I began to get involved and wrote our, our coordinator and he had already taken care of it and it was done and he did it well. And now it's all clicking along. So that is, you know, we, that's a, that's a big thing that we see. We remember when we were at Rama, Jim Andrews talked about if missionaries are not careful, they, they, through their money and skills or whatever they it what what they do is like a greenhouse mm-hmm. meaning there's like a false environment mm-hmm. and once they leave then there's nothing to keep that going mm-hmm. and so we we don't believe that and, and we certainly didn't get have that given to us at Rama either so yeah very thankful 
I, I love hearing that. And one thing I, I had a question about for you guys is, you know, obviously you're almost like parenting these people and you're helping them grow up, but how do you recognize initially the gifts within them to put them in their right place? Because sometimes people are unsure of their giftings and then it, it takes someone to say, I see this in you. I see that you have this ability. How do you guys kind of cultivate that environment or how do you recognize those gifts and the students or people there in Zambia? Uh, well, one thing is, we, we kind of teach this, but we try to make ourselves and other people aware that all of us have three things going on in our life at all, at all the, at okay. the same time. And that is God gave us strengths. First of all, gifts, anointings, abilities, some natural, some spiritual Two, we have weaknesses. And, and the way we think of weaknesses is just where God did not give us a gift and he's never going to give us a gift. So it's not, so in a sense, you know, put the guitar down and walk away and stop. Okay. So, so there are weaknesses and we need to realize those things. You know, when we, we used to watch American Idol all the time and, and somebody would come on and they say, I'm a singer songwriter. And in about five seconds, you realize you're, you're neither, you're none of the above. You're so, lying to yourself. <laughs> yeah. But mama thinks I am. So that's a problem. You're, you're self-deceived. But then thirdly, we all have dysfunctions and those are things where we've been hurt by the fall and they, they can be fixed and healed. And so, you know, Peter was violent. Uh, Peter was always talking too fast and too much, but that changed in him. James and John were competitive and, and wanted positions that changed in them. So we want our folks and we help them to say, okay, where has God gifted you? Let's fan that into flame and see that get stronger, but uh, realize where God hasn't gifted you, but also let's let the grace of God and the help of God change your dysfunctional fears and attitudes. And that's where we spend a lot of time. And, and Haley does a lot of mentoring and coaching and working with people. God's just really gifted her to help with that. Yeah. Josh, I also think this, that there are many that don't know what their giftedness is yeah. because they didn't have the luxury that many of us have had um, just growing up and trying on things. And so sadly, I think some of them come to discover that later in life. Um, so with that, again, I, I think we've, we have done this poorly sometimes in the past. I don't think we do it today, um, but you'd bring someone on staff in hopes that they could do something. Mm -hmm. But now um, with our life teams, we're, we're getting better at finding out who people are through that process, letting them try things on as a volunteer. So as a life team member um, and seeing where they're thriving. And, and then at some point, sometimes then that'd be the person we look at to hire for something else. So for, for a position that we've got open. So I think we've gotten more clever about that too. We are also big on doing disc profiles and Myers-Briggs and strength finders and all that. We, we love it. Yeah. Um, I even went through that with our staff in the last couple of years to a deeper level and had them grading each other on everything. And it was brutal because it was painful for some of them, right? So, mm -hmm. um, but it drew us closer together um, relationally with one another, seeing the good and the bad and the ugly mm -hmm. in each other um, and accepting each other where we are, but also trying to help each other grow through our stuff, so.
I, I hope we try to model that yeah. we are not Superman and Superwoman in that we have all ability. Yeah. That we, we are we are graced with measure. Yeah. Yeah. And and to that we're we're pretty open about things that we are bad at doing where we need help. And that's where you need to bring people onto your team. And, and so hopefully we've been an example of that, that we don't have to have all the answers, but we can find the people that do have the answers and the gifts. Yeah. And to throw down the understanding that leaders don't know everything. Right. But, but just to say, no, you're better at that than me. You need to take that one on. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's empowering to them and it's freeing to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And Brad, I want to let you have an opportunity here. Yeah, well, I, I was just thinking to myself, some people may be hearing this, they're thinking, okay, you guys have done a great job setting up these systems, you're no longer solving every problem. So what is it that you do as a leader every day, if you're not the one with the answers or solving the problems? What what do you think your primary focus is? Is it just the coaching, teaching, training, mentoring? Or are there other focuses that you guys have? Yeah, I'd say it is mostly what you just said. Um, It's also, well, let let me say this. It's also still maintaining being the visionary, but even that portion, we are starting to let go of a little bit as well, because Mm -hmm. our 10 year strategic plan is coming to an end next year. And we actually want next gen to write the next one. Okay. So, so, um, but no, we don't sit around doing nothing. You know, we're still, we are still, teaching a lot. Uh, We're still available. We have meetings with teams. Uh, I've got probably six different meetings throughout the week. Uh, So we're still there and guiding. There's a lot of guidance. And then even now, um, I I think another newer thing is almost trying to find these little nitty gritty things that, and I go, wow, we need to do some more understanding on finances and how finances work in the church and trying to get with certain players on the team to get deeper in them with something like that, or how do you pick faculty to be teaching in the Bible school? So it's, it's almost like these isolated things that you don't necessarily think about in the big picture, but they're very highly necessary. Um, with the new buildings, we've been ultra busy with that. Um, it's been a new process for us and our staff. So pulling them into some brainstorming stuff with that and then putting different ones in charge of you need to go look at the furniture and you need to look at the paint and you need to look at mm-hmm. the, you know, that mm-hmm. was kind of an interesting side thing too. So yeah, we, we've been, I, I actually feel like our last two years might've been busier than the past mm-hmm. because of us learning new things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also trying to be sensitive to God of what have we missed out on getting inside of them? Um, because eventually they've got to know it all. They've got to know it all. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Brad, I think sometimes we find that by by delegating, while okay, we don't have to do the work, but sometimes for us it actually takes longer. So instead of grabbing it and saying, "Oh, I'll just sort this out," it may take three meetings or five emails of back and forth, where where people are figuring things out and we're giving answering questions and giving them enough information. Mm-hmm. So, so that's part of that. So it can, it can be tedious at times, 
because I, both of us, there are times where it's like, oh, if, if let me just just give me 15 minutes and I'll sort this out. Um, they can't. They can't read that, your mind. That's right. <laughs> but it's also it's also insulting, you know, and it's degrading to people to do that. And and at the same time, um, we don't we don't have to pick every color, right. and the, every font, and we we need to help people to to think that we have shared shared value shared vision it's a matter, it's really a matter of getting there uh together mm. yeah that's yeah yeah and there you know i think it takes a level of security in yourself um because as if you're an insecure person and you start giving people opportunities and they start making great decisions sometimes you can look and say am i really needed Am I, do I have a purpose here or, or can these people do it on my own? But, you know, for those people that maybe are questioning, you know, you guys are in a great mentorship role. You are helping other people believe in themselves. And as you're believe, as you're helping them believe in themselves and you're kind of taking maybe some step backs in certain areas, but going full on into to helping them, how do you fight or combat that feeling of like, am I really needed here or, or, just that feeling that can kind of creep up. Okay. Well, well, you said that if, if we are insecure yeah, and we, we've seen this in our own lives, we've seen it in others, but arguably the, the greatest killer or cancer of a leader is insecurity that will take you out and take you down so fast. And, you know, there's an old hymn about, trust and obey. And it's got this little line to be happy in Jesus. And a leader needs to be happy in Jesus, not happy about new buildings or happy Mm -hmm. about starting another church or what are the latest attendance figures? Because all of that in ministry goes up and down. Sometimes things go up and you had nothing to do with it. It just happened. And other times you do your best and it's a total failure. And Paul asked the the question, you know, he told the church at Corinth, he said, man, I'm so glad I didn't baptize you because then you'd be looking to me in in a weird way. And he asked a question. He says, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? And and the, the answer to the question is not much. And he said, we are simply people that presented information and you believed you believed god and i i would hope that in a in our rama family we we should know that better than anybody yeah. in that people need to trust jesus and we have a role with that but it's not about us exactly it's not about us yeah i i think even um it's again i'm going to go back to raising kids right and so you our kids are now 27 and 25 Timothy just had his second wedding uh, this past weekend <laughs> and, um, and, and had friends and family come this time. And just to watch, you know, look at the lady that he chose uh, to be in his life, to spend the rest of his life with and how much she loves Jesus and her family loves Jesus and bringing these two together and the values that are in both of them. Yeah, I just I just want to cry all weekend, just looking at who he has become um, and, and being his own person and his own man. Uh, right before we left, we had another training for life teams and our staff, again, they're the ones that are putting this on and we're merely there. Uh, we, I think we opened it up for two minutes, two minutes yeah. for two minutes. 
and then just stood at the back and, and I'm just crying at the back because look, look who they have become again. So mm. no, I don't, I don't feel um, ousted or anything like that. I feel proud. Mm-hmm. I think it's that. And I think that must be the feeling God gets mm-hmm. when, when we are um, growing in him, you know, that whole teleos maturity. And I think that's the feeling that God gets. And it's just this overwhelming. So it's not about us. And I think as long as we know that, and that's how we're living our lives, that it's all about him and nothing about us. We're merely vessels. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's going to mm-hmm. be okay. Yeah. I remember and this, uh, sadly, I did not start ministry this way. And so we were serving and helping and we loved, we just loved that season of our life being involved in evangelism and crusades and what an incredible team of all-stars it was like a dream team really. And when, then when we started Africa outreach and we began teaching pastors, a friend of mine was sending me tapes every month and of, of his pastor. And I was just minding my own business as brother Hagen would say, and I was driving down DF Milan Avenue in, in Johannesburg. And the, this pastor asked a question. He said, what, how would you feel if what God asked you to do, somebody else did it and you never got any credit for it? And it was, you know, Brother Hagin says that, you know, Lord, you dealt me a low blow. Well, this was like a ton of bricks in the face. And I turned off the tape, went home, locked the door to my bedroom and wept because I realized I absolutely wanted credit. And I did want my name on the newsletter and God began a work in my life to just get out of that junk and to be happy in Jesus, that it's not what people see or say, it's not performance, but that I am an adopted son of God. And it, it just doesn't get any better than that. And so whatever I get to do in the kingdom, whatever role that's bonus because I'm already, I'm already accepted in the beloved. And, and so there, there were times after that where, I, where I, God did begin to use us more. And there have been some crazy, amazing things. Uh, we have physically preached to every president that Zambia has ever had. Mm. And it just, all those kinds of things just happened. Um, just blah, blah, blah. And, but on the inside, it kind of doesn't matter. It's like, well, Lord, I hope I'm a blessing. I hope if they don't know you, they will know you, but it's, it's about, it's about being used by God. But if, if our identity is, it's, it's really a, it's a huge grace blocker. If, if we are trying to hijack ministry to make us feel good, it's like, if you want to feel good, go get ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> go watch a nice movie to feel good, but don't, don't ministry is for other people in God's glory. Wow. It's powerful. That's really powerful that pastor Haley, you've, you've mentioned uh, just as an example, raising kids. I think this question I have is more of a selfish one <laughs> when it comes to raising kids on the mission field. I mean, you guys have done an outstanding job. And we know it's by the grace of God, but there's a lot of things that you've done well. There's probably mistakes that you made along the way, but Josh and I both personally got to meet your beautiful children 
And like you said, they're, they're adults now, they're living their own life and they're not dependent on you. They're not um, begrudging the church. They're following Jesus, which is an amazing testimony. So what, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to be on the mission field, but has a family or is on the mission field, they're raising children. What's maybe one or two things that you would uh, say has to be a priority when you're raising children in cross-cultural missions? Um, So number one priority is to value your children and not put your ministry or the church above them. Um, And and again, even where we live, um, this comes up often, um, especially when we first got there. Yeah, I wasn't always at church every Sunday because Tim had a swim meet three hours away on a Sunday morning. And so I would not go to church and I'd go to the swim meet with him. And I was talked about all over the church. How dare she? She's the pastor's wife. She should. Um, but we had, we had already had those conversations. And if that was the sport or the activity that our, our kids decided to do, then we would be there for them. And obviously, because he was the preacher, he, he couldn't do that. Um, but, but absolutely valuing them and taking time with them. And no, we didn't do it all right. We absolutely didn't. But I think that was the that was the number one thing. I also think the, another great thing that we did was we made our home the school, the, the home away from school. Um, so when there was a theater presentation or a sports event, all the kids would come to our house at the end of it. We were the hangout place. And so I think that also gave them an opportunity. It gave their friends an opportunity to, you know, to meet us and to see that we're there with our kids. But I think our kids loved the fact that we would do that for them, um, that we wanted it to be a safe place and a happy place and a fun place that their kids could hang out. Um, What else did we do? I guess when we were traveling in America, um, there were times that, again, uh, different churches or pastors or whatever wanted us to do certain things. And we said, sorry, we actually promised our kids we'd swim tonight at the hotel. And so we're, we're, we're going to pass on having dinner. We're going to do that with our kids. Again, that wasn't always perceived right, I guess. Uh, but for our kids, we kept our word to do what we said we'd do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also in the summers, and this is when they got older, I actually felt like they didn't know America very well because they had really been in Africa. We'd go home every two years. Um, And so when they got into junior high, high schoolish, we enrolled them in a summer camp for, I think it was a one week or two week Mm -hmm. camp. I don't even remember, but started doing that consistently for them to start getting a little bit more acclimated to America. Um, Yeah. And and I think one of the biggest things to Brad, this is again, after the mission field, but, I think God showed me this early on that wherever they went to school in America for college uh, mattered. And, and what I mean by that is if, if they would have gone to a tiny podunk school in the, you know, central Texas or something like that, um, where it wasn't internationally or, or uh, if it didn't have a world mindset, that would just crush them. Um, now, I didn't ever sit and tell them that per se, but when they started looking at colleges, I was trying to pay attention to that um, mm-hmm. because I think they would have just been very lost 
if they weren't in a place mm -hmm. where there were a lot of international students that had world mindset, because yeah. a lot of Americans can just be very me focused and American focused. And um, so anyway, and, and our son is actually married an, an Asian, she's American Asian girl. And I, I just love it. I love it <laughs> that, that he found her. So mm -hmm. they found each other. Yeah, I think, you know, when we were at Rama, especially Pastor Hagen and Mrs. Hagen taught and exemplified that ministry, ministers, home, pastors, missionary, whatever, that obviously your, your children are not an idol and they, you don't serve, you know, you don't bow down to them, but what does it mean to have a healthy family? Because the pre the, the generation they were raised in, in old time Pentecost, people felt like you had to offer your family like Isaac on the altar mm -hmm. and you'd have to go save the world for Jesus. And so they watched a whole generation of pastor's kids backslide and never come back to, to the Lord because they, they hated, they despised the things of God because of what they saw, because it took dad away. It, it caused all these things. And so they really have made a remarkable legacy in our Rama family of of having kids who still love Jesus. And, you know, Josh, you were raised in a ministry home and you love Jesus and you seem okay. And <laughs> uh, so, and so thank God for that. And, and so in, in a sense, we're, we're trying to, to continue that. I do think uh, raising kids and just doing family on the mission field, it is hazardous. It's like living near a, you know, a radioactive site. Yep. There's just extra pressure and stuff, whether it's financial or being away from home. Or, so I think, you know, missionaries need to be aware and intentional and be very intentional and to get help when you need it. And, and it is, it's just, it's tough. And it's sometimes it's tough on the kids or their adjustment back to the States. Um, and so just to be aware and to get, you know, whether it's pastor friends or counselors or whatever it is to help to, navigate. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the one thing I would add to is I also think that some families, um, their, their way of doing it is that mom makes up for dad being gone so mm. much. And I don't, I don't think that's the best. I think, um, I think dad still has to find that time to be with those kids too. So yeah. we, we got into a routine where um, Walker took the kids to school in the morning. I picked them up in the afternoon and it was, it was, I literally left, I think while they were eating breakfast to go to work. And I think there's ways like that, that dads cannot be absent from their kids' lives on the mission mm -hmm. field. I think that's a very dangerous, dangerous thing. Yeah. yeah. If there was, if there was one thing I, rem I remember most about being just, home with you guys that I think ties into this really well was just the fact that you guys had a lot of fun. It seemed like you guys were very intentional about cooking food together. And I remember in our debrief after the internship was done, one thing you guys told me, Hey, it's okay to be serious. It's okay to be on mission, but Brad, make sure you have fun. And I will, I will say, I have that in my growth plan, which <laughs> I have certain, I have certain <laughs> things that I do to make sure I'm having fun because you can easily, you know, 
have your, your eyes where you want to go, where, you know, like you guys said on the vision, but maybe could you talk a little bit about that too? Like how you guys intentionally made sure that you were having fun as a family. Um, I know you mentioned summer camps and that kind of thing, but were, were there other things that you guys were doing intentionally yeah. to make sure? I'm going to do that to him because he's better at that than me. It's <laughs> <laughs> still a selfish question. Still trying to get <laughs> Yeah, so so Brad, you need a fun accountability partner, right? Yes, yes. That's Josh. <laughs> um, so so one one place we really saw that modeled was our first seven years when we were with Ed That's and Lori fun. Elliott. Yeah. And one thing that they really instilled in us was so you live in this other country that's different than America. So take advantage typically most countries have just incredible things to see. Uh, Brad, you certainly do in Norway and I see you hiking and doing fun stuff and skiing with your family. And so there, there are opportunities that, and, and again, it's not to live as a tourist that does missions 10% of the time. Because there's a lot of people that do yeah, that there are too. Some, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we know, and we know, uh, missionary from an unnamed denomination in Zambia. Oh, he only hunts. That's all he does. So and he's really good at it. So, uh, but to, yeah, to take time to have friends and to have hobbies and to enjoy each other, whether that, you know, right now kind of, I think Thursday night is nacho night for us and where we, because Friday is our day off and, and we unwind. And to make it a priority, we even tell people that, so again, if Thursday night is nacho night and there's an invitation to speak at a conference or something like that, or to do something that seems spiritual, we'll just tell them, oh man, we'd love to, but I'm so sorry, we're already booked. We've got plans. We don't tell them it's, the plans are nacho night, but, but they, <laughs> it's, it's booked, okay? And to, to, to do that and to connect, and especially to connect people and to have friends for us it's been a sometimes it's a challenge to live on the mission because you, a lot of times your friends leave yeah. and and they get reassigned or restationed and you know we had great friends in Johannesburg and then we left so to be on purpose intentionally finding people like that and and we've also found that sometimes having friends who are not in our direct ministry circles makes it simpler mm -hmm. because you're not talking about in a sense work you're just talking about the lord and family and, and and they're good folks and and we might not agree on every doctrinal point but we don't have to because that's not what we're doing and so that's been really refreshing uh for that and it's somebody a leader put it this way to us one time you need to find out as a person as a christian as a leader what recharges your batteries? What is invigorating to you? And it's, you know, from yeah. observation, it seems like Pastor Hagen, you know, doing racing and hanging out in the pits and witnessing to, you know, you know folks that are working on engines, he, he, that, that actually awesome. gives him energy. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so everybody needs to have that in their life. And Pastor Walker, you mentioned earlier that, you know, sometimes living on the mission field, some of the things that we experience can be hazardous. But I also just want to make the comment that being a Dallas Cowboys fan can also 
would be hazardous, <laughs> especially yes. the last 20 years. And so uh, yeah. I know you feel my pain as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, we have got our his and her DAC jerseys yes, and they're ready do. for September. They're going to take down Tom Brady on opening Let's night. Go. It's going to be awesome. And we even have ESPN now. So that's even come oh, to wow. <laughs> Well, we're, we're going to hope and believe for the best for this season. But you know, before we let you guys go, I wanted to ask one last question. And you had mentioned how sometimes things on the mission field can be hazardous. And, you know, when you're mentoring other people, you're always in the position of giving out. You're always pouring out. Besides, you know, the obvious thing of spending time with God and refueling, refilling with him, what are some ways that maybe you've surrounded yourself with other people to make sure that you yourself and your, your personal life that you're charged up? How do, or how do you refuel your batteries personally? Yeah, so spending time with the Lord and prayer. And, and we've also, so like for myself, I, I enjoy journaling sometimes even writing out prayers to the Lord. My wife hates I do it. Not. <laughs> so, so she doesn't do that, but she does like a systematic Bible study thing. And I don't want to do that. So kind of, you know, find out what helps you connect with the biblically connect with the Lord. And then, you know, people in your life, ministry is about people and there are people whom we serve and, and there they, it can be draining and stressful but you've got to have people that are not draining nor stressful that, that encourage you and you enjoy spending time with. And so we have made that a prayer point mm -hmm. where we've even just maybe nine months ago, we realized we've, you know, there were people that were missing that were gone and, and Lord lead us. And he did. And, and so we're going to go hang out in next month, go hang out with them at a game park yeah. and they've got great kids and we'll play dominoes and they love Jesus. They're from Texas. They love the Cowboys too. So, <laughs> so it's, I, this, this is what I think missionaries, uh, I think for us is that sometimes life, it kind of happens for you naturally, but then sometimes you have to carve it out and you have to make it happen. And so there've been other times where, you know, Haley, and she still does this. She gets on Zoom calls and phone calls with friends in the States, yeah. ladies, and they stay connected that way. And so if it doesn't happen naturally, make it happen. Yeah. And, and uh, it can't just happen once a year, but it's got to be a continual, a continual flow. Um, other times we, you know, there's song, you know, music, re, re, you know, great Christian worship stuff that replenishes our, our heart as well. Yeah. Feeds us. Yeah. I, I think for me too, I know this sounds a little funny, but when I do, I do um, two men, two mentorship groups every other week and one's with couples and one's with ladies. Um, and there's 15, which is too many in the ladies group. And then there's 12 in the couples. And um, I actually get so energized. I get so energized from doing that, that it's kind of weird, but I just go home just bouncing. So mm. I, I can't stop doing that. It's, it's good for me. It's very good for me. And then, like he said, um, I've got a couple of really good friends. One's from South Africa, but lives in Chicago. And then Kristen that's run our stateside office. Um, they went, I think, especially, I mean, I do speak to them often, but I think especially when I'm in a bad place, just knowing that I can pick up the phone, call them 
yeah. and try to call them before I get to the too bad place. <laughs> um, then that helps. But like even coming in for um, Tim's wedding right now, uh, she, uh, my friend Kristen actually flew out to Nashville early and we literally hung out for three days getting ready for the rehearsal dinner. She was just in there helping me the whole time. Uh, Walker was down here because we've got some stuff going on with his mom right now. But um, so anyway, it's just, yeah, it's, I think it's finding those opportunities as well. And Sharon typically would have come too, but she was visiting her son over the weekend because her son, Timothy, grew up with our son, Timothy. Um, but she was already engaged, she and her husband. So yeah, I think it's it's being intentional again, that we have to have others in our lives. That's the way God designed it. He designed us to have Jesus with skin on and others um, in our connectedness with one another, with God, right? So we've got to be very, very intentional about that. That's probably a, a common thing, I think, for this whole conversation we've had is that no matter what it is, no matter what your position is, no matter who you're working with, you have to be intentional. And I love that that common theme. And Brad, I just wanted to kind of give you an opportunity if you had any other questions or anything else you'd like to add. I did, I did have one question, just one. I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll, I'll ask it anyways. Um, so you guys have hosted a lot of groups of interns, but both Josh and I were curious, what, what's been your favorite group that you guys have ever hosted? <laughs> have, have we had anyone since they came, Walker? Yes. After, after you guys came, we said, why, why try again? We're going to be disappointed. So we keep telling Raina, sorry, we don't feel led. And, and we just haven't, we can't talk to you guys, so. Well, Pastor Haley, when you said we haven't had anyone since then, that can mean one of two things. So. <laughs> right. we'll take it. I we'll actually think it. we have. <laughs> I think we have had. I can't even remember. No, in, in all honesty, yeah, were great. <laughs> you guys, and it was uh, Lydia and Michelle as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just one. Yeah, we, we, the truly, fact truly. that we remember your names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we feel honored. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Y'all were really, y'all were really big, good. big blessing. It was an honor for us to spend those couple of weeks with you guys, but also to have this conversation today. And we're so thankful to know you and thankful for the work that you're, you've done and that you're continuing to do in Zambia. And for those people that would like to just learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing, what's the best way for them to, to find out about what's, what's going on. So uh, they could find us on Facebook, either one of us. Uh, Walker Shures, Haley Shures. They could also, uh, church website is mlfc.org. And then Rama Zambia is ramazambia.org. And both of those would have email addresses to click and contact as well. Awesome. And I know you guys, you maybe don't want to do a shameless plug, but I'll do it for you. AfricaOutreach.net. Go there, see a little bit more information. But about it's very them. outdated. That one is so right. outdated. <laughs> That's all right. Any, so basically anywhere you can go, Facebook, uh, the website, wherever it is, mlfc.com, go find out a little bit more. And if you feel led, not only, first of all, pray for them in the vision that God has given them and that they're continuing to implement in the country of Zambia, but also pray and uh, prayfully uh, consider also supporting them in whatever way you feel led. But guys, thank you so much. And Brad, thanks for joining us as well. It was an fun. awesome time with everybody, and uh, we'll talk soon. We appreciate you. Thanks so Bless much. Bless you, Josh. Bless you, Brad. Good to see you, both of you guys.
You too.